Welcome to ComTrack, where you'll never have to watch a movie alone again. I'm your host, Tim Lifite. I'm Sean Wheeler. Yes, uh, and we are here for round three of Indiana Jones, man. Like, oh, geez. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I'm just, like, I know we usually start talking about the movie and our first impressions and whatnot, but it, it's so hard for me personally because I got my Indiana Jones DVDs. Like, I got all four of them for Christmas, right? Uh, so like roughly around age 16, 17, I basically binged them all. So that's, I, I don't really have too much new to say about them. So I guess I could ask for someone who's a little bit more, you know, a little bit more up in years, uh, someone who relates more to the fan base of indie. So let, let's hear about what, uh, for your first experiences with last crusade, sir. Yeah, I mean, I was six or seven when this movie came out, so I mean, I saw it when I was pretty young. Uh, I have uh, grown up with it, you know. I uh, I remember as a kid watching the Indiana Jones films a lot, but particularly with this one, I remember just being, you know, enraptured with that opening sequence of this movie with with the whole uh, whole train uh, chase and loving it and just being sequence. glued to the screen. So, fuck uh, that, yeah. That's what really always strikes me with this. Obviously, um, this movie uh, brings us Sean Connery, which is such a great addition to the cast and is so much fun. Uh, yep. And, you know, I actually something uh, I noticed uh, on my last watch through uh, a few months back, um, it's interesting to reapproach a film where you've now visited places that they filmed on location at. So yes. I now have a lot of fun having visited Venice, like being like, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there every time I watch <laughs> a movie there after set in Venice. So <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Um, the, the fact that you've actually been outside, I, I as a poor schmuck never have, I mean, technically I've been all over the States, but I've never actually been outside the country. I mean, yeah, Niagara Falls, but who, who really counts Niagara Falls? Am I right? Well, I mean, I look, I, I was, what, 38 years old before I finally got overseas? No, sorry, 37 years old before I finally yeah. got overseas. So, you know, it, it's, yeah, and it took over a year of planning and saving to do that. So it's it's not a right. quick prospect. I, I'm not just like, oh, hey, I can just go jet set. I wish. But no. <laughs> just hop on a plane and have a Indiana Jones map montage <laughs> yourself. Oh, like, I, I how... wish. Oh, it'd be so good. I mean, I, if I'm going to do that, I would wear my hat. And speaking of, I am, for those for those of you listening, you can't see me right now, but I am wearing my official Indiana Jones hat. Because, come on, you like, it, it doesn't feel right if I'm not, if I'm watching an <laughs> Indiana Jones movie without my hat. Because it's, it's just part of it. Like, because, you know, I have the costume and whatnot, and uh, I go to conventions. Actually, the, one of the things that I've always wanted to do, because... I, my dad's name is Tim as well. Uh, I'm not a junior. My middle name is John. His middle name is Earl. But I've always, 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 always wanted to take him to, like, WizardCon Chicago or, uh, you know, wherever, whatever con, dress him up in a suit and bow tie, stupid hat, umbrella, and a professor case. And I always wanted to go as Indiana Jones and he's Henry Jones Sr. Or he's just annoying me the entire day. Just, Junior! And I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> like, I've always wanted to do that. You know, hopefully that'll be a thing when conventions are also a thing. 
I miss conventions so much. So much, Sean. (laughs) I miss them. But, uh, yeah, uh, like, uh, uh, are there any, like, conventions that you just really miss right now because I'm, I'm sorry to linger on this but oh just, no no you're fine hurts. um i i really miss asin that's kind of uh the big convention i do up every year uh you know it's, it's interesting you mentioned wizard world uh in chicago i actually used to go to that fairly regularly back when wizard world chicago is what N- new york comic-con has become now right on right. yeah dude like people forget how big uh uh uh, WizardCon Chicago was like um, well before actually... they turned it into just like hey we have celebrity guests and come get autographs it used to yep. be like the place to go they used to say that you would go to San Diego for the spectacle but if you actually cared about the comic industry you would go to Chicago and it's like yep I got to meet and be in panels with so many of like the legendary writers like um bendis and warren ellis and azarello and i mean i've just had so many wonderful times and experiences um and you know during that was kind of like the the peak of of my comic collecting uh you know from about oh five to oh nine there it's like i'd collected all through i was a kid but that's when i just like full tilt i was doing a whole lot of that and and having fun with it but uh, as as it changed, uh, some of my friends introduced me to anime conventions, and I was kind of getting out of spending as much on my collection, and so it was almost a perfect storm of a time because it went from, hey, go to a convention and spend a lot of the money building a uh, building a collection, or go to a convention and party with your friends for four days. So Hell I just yeah. kind of did the switch and have mainly, uh, outside of a few exceptions, uh, been going mainly to anime conventions since then and just having a blast. Right on, man. I miss those day drinking cons. <laughs> uh, but you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned uh, uh, Wizard World getting like a lot of stuff. I actually got a copy of Batman The Long Halloween signed by both Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Nice. Like, they also signed my copy of Dark Victory, which is really cool. But now I suspect that all you listeners out there will are like, well, see, the thing about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is, <laughs> why don't you guys talk about that? So I guess with, the, like, we've already kind of talked about our things now. Why don't we just, like, jump right into it, huh? Let's do it. Yeah, man. So if you guys, if you cats back home, you've got a DVD, you've got a Blu-ray, VHS, streaming, whatever, get it queued up because we are ready to hit the play button in three, two, one, click, click. And there's the Paramount logo. Once again, got to have a mountain to transition from the Paramount logo into the opening credits. And another really cool thing about the opening credits is Gone is the... uh, 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 or back, rather, is the original font from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Remember in Temple of Doom where they had, like, the the adventure font that you see on all the, the indie posters as as the title card for Temple of Doom? That's They're like, no, we're going back to Raiders. And me as a non-Temple of Doom fan is like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure Nathan is just listening to this right now, and he's like, oh, you stupid asshole. <laughs> like, I'm never coming on your show again. <laughs> hey, everyone's no, please entitled come back. to their own tastes. Yes, absolutely. I totally sympathize with those, uh, those Temple of Doom fans, even though I blatantly disagree. But anyway, now we're in uh, uh, Monument Valley. Big, 
big reference and uh, homage, if you will. If I, I kind of hate that word now, but big <laughs> homage to <laughs> exactly to John Ford's movies from way back in the day. You know, Stagecoach, Searchers, um, all of his most famous westerns were shot out here. There's yeah, I mean, it's it's such a popular destination for westerns, and you know. Uh, film school 101 day one was you know watching the searchers by john ford so yeah uh it's it's so ingrained his his work in cinema that you know you can't help but it, it if you're someone who loves and and wants to learn about the craft of movies you're gonna fall in love with john ford oh yeah no totally like the man is an absolute genius uh, although I, my first John Ford uh, film w that I saw was not The Searchers. I believe it or not, I still have not yet sat down and watched The Searchers, <laughs> the Searchers in its entirety. Um, but I did. But the first one that they slapped on me was Stagecoach. Mm. Um, John Williams, man, like I know he gets like all the praise in the world. But at the end of the day, does he really does he really get enough of it? Like, I mean, right. he, he's a great composer, and the, and the music here is certainly great, but the overall sound design for yeah, the entire opening yeah. is just wonderful. Yep. Uh, again, it's like, you know what? Let's go back to basics and make that really great sound for our opening number because it works so well in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, but, yeah, I, th I think one of the things that I really love about John Williams in this movie is because it's coming up here where we hear the, uh, the the motif of the Cross of Coronado. Thought was thought that was like a really wonderful recurring little bit with the, the, the Spanish horns. Mm. Okay, seeing this for the first time, I legit thought that was indie. Like, like these Boy Scouts are just some, like, lead into indie himself and not indie himself. Well, they do such a good job here with the cold open of, you know, keeping the face hidden, making it seem yeah. like they're going to go that route. And, they don't and even then... give you the, uh, the, the, the date until after you realize that's not indie. Right. This kid is actually indie. Like, they totally, uh, and even, even to the point where he steps out of the shadow, sort of like in Raiders. But, yeah, they don't even show the title until, like, right now. Mm -hmm. You know, they they wait till after that, so you realize, oh, that's not what they were doing. This is what they were doing. Love that cross of Coronado motif. I really want to get me a prop replica of the cross of Coronado. I have, <laughs> I, I have the uh, a replica of the Idol of Fertility from Raiders. I really need to get me the Staff of Ra and the Cross of Coronado <laughs> and all the other stuff. Indy has so many wonderful props. And I yeah. love the little the little snake thing there. It's just a snake. And you're like, hey, wait a minute. Are you sure you're Indiana Jones? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, dude, River Phoenix is young Indy. What a legend, man. Oh, but yeah. What a fucking what a tragedy, too. It's a brilliant performance to the point where – you know, as good as I forget the other actor's name who actually did play young Indiana Jones in the television series. Didn't it end up being that guy who was eventually in Boondock Saints? I think so. You, I could be totally wrong. I, I forget off the top of my head. Again, I've only seen like a handful of episodes of uh, Indiana yeah, Jones Chronicles. Yeah, me as well. Um, but as you know, it's not that I hate the actor or anything, but 
one can only imagine the level of nuance and s- subtlety and action that River Phoenix brought to young Indiana Jones in that show. If he had lived, and he he would have made an amazing lead role for that show, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, nothing happens in a vacuum, and, you know, when you think about the wonderful work, you know, his brother has done, it almost makes yep. you wonder, had would he have been able to mature into that level of actor had he not had to go through that trauma? Not saying that it was a good thing, just saying that, you know, nothing... Um, Everything's going to affect you, and you don't necessarily know the results of it. So. Yep, yep. But now this is the whole bit where, like, by the time we're at this point in the movie watching it for the first time, because again, in Temple of Doom, like, again, I know I'm not. I, I keep bringing it up, and like, I'm not a fan, whatever. But I just I was so annoyed that I had to wait until the last thirty minutes to get some legit swashbuckling, fun <laughs> action sequences where people are running around and fumbling over each other and punching each other and it's not just child and child endangerment and pain and torture right like, and it's actual like you know theme I mean, park this, this levels enti- of fun this entire but, sequence is brilliant because you know all the hearkening back to you know the westerns and train robberies and and those yeah. classic motifs but at the same time you know introducing this like oh it's a circus oh, aspect and it brings out, you know, the history of Indy. Here's where he gets yeah. traumatized. Yep. Like, they ingeniously managed to fit into this opening, not only an origin for his fear of snakes, but even the freaking scar on his chin for when he goes into the lion's den. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this so this whole sequence, when I was watching it for the first time, after the kind of disappointment of Temple of Doom, I'm like, yes! They brought back the swashbuckling <laughs> action! I'm having fun again. And the fact that, you know, it's on a circus train just adds to that le- level of tongue-in-cheek entertainment value. And, oh, hey, check it out. Like, uh, I animatronic never, that they... What's up? I never noticed before there is a tear on that rhino. <laughs> like, the right. it looks like the rhino is crying from getting hit in the face. And that's awesome. <laughs> the poor rhino. <laughs> I sense that's a little bit of an homage to Goldfinger because Sean Connery was in Goldfinger. Yeah, I mean, definitely <laughs> could be. Uh, you know, it's one of the things, you know, you kind of you pick and choose little things that you like from other films and you kind of tweak them that, to make them your own. That shit where he does the kick and the, and the swing around, that's one of the coolest things ever. Because I love it, the fact that in when uh, indie uh, action sequences are most fun when they feel like those disney uh live shows you know a little bit me, yeah i i get what you're coming from yep and then we have the lion's den <laughs> and we got an origin for the whip too we got origins for everything although the still the one thing that yep there <laughs> there's the scar but yeah, the one thing that always bugged me about this sequence is that uh, his haircut does not scream 1912 to me. <laughs> it's it's like, were you in your 2009 My Chemical Romance phase, but you just forgot to dye your hair black? <laughs> like, what 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 is this haircut? What, like, 
I don't under I, I, I don't know, but it, it, it's a stupid little nitpick. Regardless, he's amazing, and we also had that wonderful little line: "It belongs in a museum." <laughs> and just when okay, so we've uh, established that these movies do have like a little bit of pixie dust, a little bit of magic to them. Oh, for sure. This is the part where they're like, you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to cut out the middleman and have actual magic. Well, yeah. I mean, leaning into it's kind of the best way. I mean, you know, when you're going with the whole suspension of disbelief and all that stuff, these movies are already taken over the top. So they're like, why not just a little, little higher? A little extra, a little extra. Oh, yeah. The other cool thing that I just remembered. It's not technically canon. I think it was referenced in like a comic book or something, or it was in an early draft. But that guy there, that was supposed to be Abner Ravenwood. Oh, can that you imagine, been great. dude? That would have been amazing. I really wish they kept that as canon, but no. Jones Residence. Ee doggy, <laughs> that's Indiana. <laughs> Because uh, that, that, for those of you who don't know, like uh, not only did George Lucas actually have a dog like that named Indiana, and it was you know the inspiration. You are named after the dog, but uh, it was also the, uh, the the inspiration behind Chewbacca. Like uh, he, he was, saw his wife at the time, Marsha, driving out of the back, uh, out of the, uh, the the driveway, and uh, Indiana would ride shotgun, like be her co-pilot. And he thought that was a really great little image to kind of rip off and be like, oh, wouldn't it be really fun if there was like a space uh, space pirate with a, a fuzzy dogman <laughs> co-pilot? So that became Chewbacca, which is kind of cool. Oh, shit. The table. It seems the tables have turned, Mr. Jones. <laughs> those guys the 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 little the the, the looters with them mm -hmm. is it me or are they just a little bit too excited like they're oh, just yeah. constantly wow wow like dude like are you profiting off of this uh, isn't this like also just going to be like taken to a collector like you must be getting paid a lot of money Right. <laughs> Love this transition. Yeah, boy. <laughs> see, now we see uh, the great thing about this opening is like it's like you said, it's so freaking extra that we don't just get that wonderful young Indiana Jones episode. But we also have this opening as well. It's an opening on top of an opening. Oh, I just love how they shot this. <laughs> right. The rain and everything. And again, it does, you can clearly see it's, wait. That oh, line and the delivery and the, so the, the good. flaring eyes. It's, oh. I love the cliched striped sailor bad guy costumes that they have these guys in. <laughs> and how it's clearly just a set with water being dumped on them. But it adds so much to the pulp. You know, well, yeah, and, 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 and that's how it's supposed to be. You know, that's what makes these movies kind of magical because they're set in a time period 
where everything that was being filmed at that time was pretty much being done on sets. Yep. So it makes it feel, you know, like it's of that time. And as you said, enhances the pulpy feel of it. It's it's just a brilliant, you know, stylistic choice for these films. And nope. I think that's one of the many reasons they've stood the test of time. Yeah, totally. Man, you'd think they'd uh, tie down their cargo a little bit better. Right? <laughs> oh, shit. Main theme playing. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and then just as he makes his escape, this shit happens where you just got to hand it to him. Indiana Jones has, like, the best luck, where as soon as he escaped, the ship just inexplicably explodes. I mean, yeah, granted, we had, like, you know, TNT and explosives kind of set up, but... The fact that it was so quick is actually kind of hilarious. <laughs> and speaking of hilarious, I love this shot with the hat. Oh, it's it's just <laughs> such a great little little moment. Yeah. My only wonder is, how did he get back to the States? Did, was there like a missing episode where he went full castaway or something like that? <laughs> just Harrison Ford on an island and his fedora and uh, where he calls his fedora Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> So now that we've had our rousing start, we've had another really strong opening from Indiana Jones. Now we're into the classroom where we kind of address the whole issue that this is archaeology stuff you see in here is all bullshit. Like, X <laughs> doesn't mark the spot. There are no running around to exotic locations or running around. Like, none of that's true. But the movie's just like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right, but fuck you we're movie right. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do all of this stuff even though we just said we're not going to do the thing it's like those great memes you hear out there like i'm not gonna do the thing don't do the thing i'm going to do the thing <laughs> i like the fact with how they filmed that scene though it's like they clearly made it show they, they clearly showed that female students still loved him without oh the, yeah anything as blatant as the i love you yeah yeah well, you can't re totally repeat it because, I mean, when you look at uh, the opening of, uh, of this movie and Raiders, uh, this is actually kind of a rehash. Now, oh, yeah. Take like a few steps back. Like, you know, we had our rousing, you know, episodic opening and then uh, we go right into the classroom, have a little bit of comedy beat with, you know, how cute he is. And then Marcus comes in and there's exposition about an item that he just got. And then it leads into exposition of the main MacGuffin for the rest of the movie. Right, but one of the things that I think plays so well is that, yeah, it's a rehash, but at the same time, you know this is something that they've done many times. Like, yeah. that's his and Marcus's relationship. He yep. comes back from one of his, you know, acquisitional adventures, <laughs> and Marcus shows up and is like, what do you have for me? <laughs> It's like it's like Amazon Day. <laughs> so I wonder how, uh, based on how much he how he treats his students in this scene, I wonder how he's rate. If Indiana Jones was around these days, I wonder how he would uh, be rated on RateMyProfessor.com. <laughs> it, it, it would be straight half and half. They'd be like, "This is the best class to actually take for in the classroom." Just don't expect your grades or anything else in a timely manner. Because <laughs> he is off doing way more important shit. Like, he just straight up abandons them. 
he's he's still kind of that scoundrel that we love. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, and, like, and, I just... that's just him. He has an escape plan for everything. Yes, he truly does. Uh, although he can't escape, uh, you know, uh, weird, vaguely government officials or figures of authority to send him on another quest. <laughs> I, I love the just how they conveyed so well there with the guy behind him, the the threat, the yep, it, just well, well shot no words it feels needed. almost it feels almost uh godfather you know yeah and speaking of godfather we've got the 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 bow tie and the or the the, the tuxedo and the red uh the red uh rose for the lapel and i know I think it's actually for a carnation of, yeah but i know for a lot of fans like they always are like oh we get a little tables of turn sort of thing like are we getting a new ally here like right on for me, even though I had no no context for the movie, as soon as this guy walked in, I'm like, villain, villain, <laughs> like straight up. I knew. <laughs> um, uh, and it wasn't just because the dude was in Star Wars. For those of you who don't know, he was General Veers in Empire. He was the guy who was leading the, uh, the Adat Walker attack on Hoth, the devastating uh, Battle of Hoth, which was pretty cool. Um but yeah, I, as soon as he walked in the door, I'm like, "You're the villain." Hi, I will be your villain today. <laughs> <laughs> what I really love about this scene is, you know, they they obviously needed, uh, you know, another setup scene, and you know, as you were talking, there there are some parallels that are drawn uh, from the first Indiana Jones film. Yes. What's fun here is like they knew enough, like, okay, we can't have it that parallel. We can't have it back at at his own home. Yeah, otherwise but, it's going to be a straight-up rehash. Exactly. But, so they wanted to blow it up and have some scope. So, you know, you look at the background and you see, you know, the wonderful Vista. You know, this guy, you get the impression of how wealthy and well-off this guy is. But you have these beautiful artifacts around. So he's still clearly someone in Indy's world. Like, interested in history and artifacts. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, cause it, it's, it really is amazing, uh, how props can really tell your story, uh, and yeah. add so much to it. Like, that's why I think, uh, um, the, you know, movies like this in general are reasons why I freaking love prop designs and prop replicas. Like I actually have a prop replica of the idol of fertility, uh, from the first movie. And I really want to get, you know, all the props. You got to have all the indie props. You got to have... You know, the Cross of Coronado. You got to have the stones from Temple of Doom. You got to have uh, the Grail Diary. You got to have all of the, the, even like the, uh, the, the, the staff of Raw headpiece. Got to have it all, man. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just never enough. It's never enough with Spielberg. You got to have uh, uh, just everything. Indiana Jones is like one of the harder cosplays to do a full completion because the dude has so many accessories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One of these days, I hopefully uh, like. I, I mean, they, maybe they already have, but Hot Toys should put out like uh, their 12-inch figure with Indiana Jones and all of his varying accessories <laughs> and costume variants. Because you know, I mentioned before, but like one of the things that I love about Temple of Doom is actually his uh, his look in that movie. Like mm. Indiana Jones with the torn shirt and cut muscles, like. No jacket this time around. 
Like, yeah. that was actually a really fucking cool look for him, and I actually wouldn't mind doing that if I ever get as jacked as Harrison Ford, which is probably never. (laughs) (laughs) The dead brother who is there for... God, he must have been there for, like, what, 700 years or something like that? Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, it said he came out after the crusade so 12 1300 at the latest so yeah yeah about, about six seven hundred years easy yep did you ever see the uh, the robot chicken sketch of that actually where um the, uh, the <laughs> there's actually a really funny robot chicken sketch um i'll get to the punchline when it comes to oh fuck it i'm just gonna say so it's like all three brothers go in and like one of us has to god the one of us has to guard the holy grail right and one of them just leaves and it's just him like reading the book playing with his sword jerking off and just like <laughs> think I'll grow like just sitting around like huh think I'll grow a beard i guess and then when indiana jones shows up he goes are you the pizza guy <laughs> like, it's really funny i love that that sketch robot chicken continues to bastardize so much of shit that I love with so much love. (laughs) All right, we're back to the new Jones residence, and immediately we can tell that something's not quite right. Dude, the fact that they staged that with the curtain reveal just shows off how good Spielberg is with his blocking. Uh oh. The legendary Grail Diary. I mean, one of the things I love about the kind of attention to detail here is with even looking at the tile around the fireplace just demonstrates his dad's obsession with, you know, the medieval time period. Yep, and Arthurian legend and the and the like. Like, we can even see, you know, the, the, the religious picture in the background. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, they frame it specifically between them. Yeah, yeah, which is a really smart idea. Just so you're set up for this close-up, which is great. And Harrison I do love the Ford fact that does, yeah does concern and and interest and intensity so well. Yes, he does. Oh, you know what I really love here in this one, he actually is questioning whether or not it does exist. Not just because the fact that his dad was looking for it all these years, but the fact that this technically takes place after uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So. The stuff that the the, the lore uh, and the mystery and the uh, the power behind the Ark of the Covenant, he knows is real. Right, but I mean, he's gonna still question this exists because, you know, the Ark was something that was recorded in history beyond just you know the book, and yeah. even yeah, there's there's a obviously a cup had to be used in the Last Supper, but there's nothing else in in the religious text about it. Everything else afterwards is, you know, 
a lot of mythology brought along from Catholicism and other such places. Yeah. Uh, and is not actually, you know, straight in the Bible and, and as much in the historical record. So, yeah, it, it has a lot more associations with myth than reality. So that's obviously something he's going to question. They even opened with, you know, it's a search for fact. Yes. You know, when the, when it's like they, not truth. Exactly. You want, so you want truth? Take the philosophy class down the, down the hall. Another little and, montage, and I do love the fact that this one actually confirms that while he's on doing his long travel uh, map montage, he's he's reading and studying, and in this case, he actually has something more specific to study, which is his dad's Grail diary. He's got a long trip to to study yeah, that thing, but he needs to because you know, as it said, like that's his dad's area of expertise, not his. Mm-hmm. And we got this wonderful uh, introduction to Elsa. I really do. I don't know how I totally feel about their... Because I know it was supposed to be uh, an idea of, like, George Lucas, like, um, that every other movie should be... There should be a different female love interest for Indy. Mm-hmm. Um it, but it kind of, I think, and, you know, it's supposed to be kind of a nod to James Bond and ha-ha, you know, we got James Bond as his dad, get it? But, I don't know, something, something about Marion that I really am glad that Crystal Skull came back. Oh, did you notice that he took the flower? Yes. That was, that's so, he's so slick. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> And I love how Marcus is clearly the third wheel friend in the framing, specifically, yeah, like not both thematically, and but in the actual blocking, he is quite literally the third wheel friend in this. Right, but <laughs> at the same time, he's also the guy like with his head in the game. He's like, we're here for a reason. Like, let's get at it. Yeah, that's true. Which is such an awesome little. Uh, little variants, because, like, you know, Marcus is usually the guy who just stays behind and waits for Indy to bring back the stuff. No, he's like, no, fuck it. I'm going with you on this one, Indy. And I am so here for it, because, you know, a lot of movies have, like, you know, com- comedic characters or bumbling characters to kind of, you know, make it a little bit lighter. And usually they can have that misstep of being the worst character in the movie. Like the per- like the character that, like, why are you here? Go away. I am. Yeah. I never felt that with Marcus throughout this entire thing. And as a matter of fact, someone pointed that out to me earlier uh, or later on, and it occurred to me that you know, I'm like, yeah, I totally didn't even notice that didn't even register with Marcus. I think he's one so of the necessities sweet. for Marcus in this, I think it it plays back to you know the first film, and it's like with the result and how all of that played out. I think he was like, you know what? Like, I believe, and I believed then, and this is too big. I'm not sitting another one out. Like, yeah. I'm coming this time. <laughs> yeah. And I'm all here for it because he's a delight in this movie. Where's the 10? <laughs> Son of a bitch. These guys are too fucking clever. And look at the framing. The framing is a perfect setup because the characters perceptively walk on the bottom of the frame, right? You never uh-huh. see the floor. And that's Well, such and they good. also, you know, allu- even do the uh, allusion to it by ha- when they did that framing, having the staircase in the corner. Yes, like they just, have. St- just 
at the edge there like right yep right here so that way when it dollies over like this and we step on up we're still not showing the floor we're still going to focus on harrison and it's not until he gets to the very top x marks the spot nah oh my gosh i never really <laughs> looked at that moment that closely yeah that irritates me to no end why the bookshelf behind him is so clearly fake like it's flat and the books on it are <laughs> fake like it's just like oh <laughs> oh this scene is so good oh my god oh my god this was probably one of the funniest bits i've ever seen <laughs> with the fucking librarian they break up the editing by not showing it a third time they just kind of imply it right. in this wonderful beat he's just like uh no <laughs> meanwhile know he my just own destroyed a priceless floor mm -hmm. indiana jones really is kind of the worst archaeologist like right. ever like he'll just vandalize shit left and right in in hopes that maybe there's a more valuable treasure all right, so the first one we had lots of snakes. The second one we had uh, a shitload of bugs. And now we're going to get our big reveal for our recurring motif for this one. And it's and, and in in uh, <laughs> in relation, it's actually Sp Spielberg's uh, favorite curse word because uh, he was actually <laughs> on the inside the actor's studio uh, with James Lipton. Wonderful show, by the way. God oh, rest yes. James Lipton. Um, but when the time came for the questionnaire and James Lipton asked him, asked Stephen, uh, what's your favorite curse word? <laughs> he looked at him and just said, rats. <laughs> oh, and then we I got, love these guys. Oh, the, the fezzes and the, the, the striped suits, like. Look out, Marcus. Ooh. Well, at least the book is safe. <laughs> oh, so macabre. Like, love the set. Is like, oh, this. <laughs> I guess... For me, that's what <laughs> makes a good Indiana Jones movie. Is there a reference to the Ark of the Covenant? No, fuck off. <laughs> like, because we had it in this one. We had it in Area 51 for Crystal Skull. Like, hell yeah. Dude, Indy, what the hell? So I'm, they're going I, to step into petroleum well, with a I, I fire. Think that, well, I think what's even more hilarious about that is like, hey, it's petroleum. Really? Petroleum in a floating city. Yeah, right? Like, where, the, where, where, how? Has, okay. 
Also, like, you're just going to set a fire and hold it over this petroleum? Petroleum? That's that's With smart. rags? Like... Hey. It, hey, look at it. It's uh, the, the prequel to Ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> I love the sound design for those rats. It just sounds so... She's yeah. just like, yep, go ahead. I'm all right with this. Yep. And I love how they keep them mostly in either silhouette or uh, with their shadows. Oh, man. Okay, this part always just made me a little... It always makes me cringe just a little bit where... Yeah, where he steps on the one. Ugh. <laughs> God, really great sound design for those rats. It's the tomb. Did you just see, okay, uh, th I, th I feel like I've seen it, like, multiple times throughout this sequence, but do you notice, like, every once in a while, sparks and shit fall off the torch? <laughs> you would think they'd be just burned to a second, yep. like, right, oh, like, yeah, look, like, right there. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. You'd think that would just right, be and they just set hit the it water, off. like, it's just supposed to be petroleum. <laughs> like, it's, it's, he's literally dripping flames Onto the, 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 the this very flammable liquid that you're on. <laughs> well, I guess it really wouldn't be an Indiana Jones movie without something completely an utter bullshit. Right. <laughs> Great. Now, why don't you just, like, haul it out of there you know like an right? actual archaeologist would instead of just adding to it like this is the kind of shit he would do in a lab you know if, I, I know that they set that up nicely but I really wish there was more payoff to that like I wish there was one more <laughs> scene with like a shitload of rats but his dad yeah. was involved, and we got to see just how batshit scared but he would have been. I, I, I want to relate just that brilliance of that shot with, like, lighting the match and the look on his yeah. face and the eyes. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they did a great job of casting and just getting the people who could just be so expressive at the necessary times. Yep. Also, how is how are they okay? How are you able to look around underwater mixed well, with petroleum? Uh, right, like you you gotta think that your eyes would be burning something fierce. Yep. And also, there's a flame on the inside. Like I know they have that in there, so you know, right. light, so you can see the actors' faces and whatnot. But like, dude, y'all should have been burned to death. Yeah. Like long before even those guys showed up, like I would have, wouldn't have. It would have been more plausible if the the uh, the guys in there were just like petroleum. 
oh, they're dead. Let's just leave them. (laughs) 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 But then, of course, if they had, we wouldn't get this magnificent chase sequence. Oh, yeah. Like, at first, when I watched this, I thought, oh, my God, is it going to be, like, a a low-speed chase with rowboats and whatnot? Like, but now we get some really cool, like, uh, uh, motorboats here. Yeah, and they're, they're like, you know, the vintage, like, rich, like, speedboats of the time period. I love it. Exactly. Love the look at it. Love the the glossy wood of them all. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, of course... And even like the, do you notice how John Williams is being coy with us, and he's using those Italian kind of uh, uh, accordion kind of uh, string sections for these kind of things? <laughs> Love that, man! Oh, it's so good. Although I gotta hand it to Spielberg, like he's actually because you can tell they they did this on a location, like this wasn't in some backlot or something, right? But, He's actually doing an action sequence with boats post Jaws. Right. <laughs> like, you gotta, you gotta get it, give it to the guy for doing being brave like that and going back into the water. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, any after all those horror stories from Jaws, I mean, doing stuff on the water, but it's Venice. How can you not have a boat chase? Yeah, right. And who's and I don't know if we've ever seen anything quite like. To this extent before um yeah so it's really fun I mean, to see. We, we've, we've, oh. cert- we've certainly seen boat chases in venice post this but i don't know that we saw much before this i know bonds had a boat chase in venice yeah but, but that was yeah. about it oh dude i love i love how hollywood the squibs look <laughs> do something Knock, knock. All right, now this this sequence is amazing. Not just the stunt work, but the uh, the time that they took to get the boat and the propeller and the actors all to work in a single wide shot. Oh, yeah. Because, like, when you really think about it, you had to get these propellers. You had to get this collapsible boat. You had to get the actors to all to work. But all in the same frame, so action and reaction is in the same shot. And it looks like they're in danger. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm actually kind of amazed. Like, as a filmmaker and who knows how the sausage is made, it's like, dude, how the hell did you get all that done? Do you have, like, (laughs) multiple boats to go through or something? Like, that's not an easy feat. And also to keep, you know, safety in mind. I love how much, though, they also do of the reveal of that uh, guy's character. Like, yeah, so much conviction that my soul is prepared. This guy's on another level from people we've seen. Yeah, my soul is prepared. How is yours? Like, damn, what a flex. Oh, that's so cool. The the tattoo. So in later years, um, I've always been a big fan of Jim Croce, but 
it might just be because of the naturally curly hair and the the distinct mustache, but this guy really <laughs> always made me think. Uh, <laughs> makes me think uh, he looks like Jim Croce. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it's just because I'm a huge fan, but <laughs> when someone, I think when I pointed that out to myself, I'm like, fuck, I can never unsee that. Now we have new information about where to find, where to find his father, mm -hmm. um, along with another new clue. <clears throat> Although I'm kind of amazed that, uh, you know, as an archaeologist, you'd think he would be kind of pissed off because, as you see, he didn't really shade in the entire uh, the, 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 the entire uh, inscription. Like, you could see, still see there's, like, a lot of faded areas there. Indiana Jones really sucks as an, as an archaeologist, <laughs> man. He should have just yeah. taken that shield out. He, he's, he's an adventurer, uh, you know, par excellence, but not, <laughs> no. not a renowned archaeologist. No, no. Dude, what I would give to have like a full, a full replica of the di the Grail diary that they made for this movie. <laughs> Like, just to go through it and read it and all those sort little different things and kind of pick up on it and try to figure out, you know, what they perceived as the history of it for the for the film. So I've seen I don't, I, I don't I've seen know tons of, yeah. if the interior scenes here are being shot in Venice, but the attention to detail with like, you know, the chandelier that is, of course, going to be, like, old school for that time period. Murano yep. glass. Yep. The, uh, the, the... The busts uh, of, the, like, Greek, Greek gods right, the, and the whatnot. The Venetian masks that were on, on the wall. It's just, like, it's such... Those kind of details are important for authenticity. They're just nailed. Yeah, yeah. Like, you totally buy that they're still in Venice and they're still not just in... Uh... And they, they very well may be, but, I mean, regardless, that, that attention to detail is, is just so important. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the production design has always been on point with literally all four Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> <laughs> I really do love their their little banter here. Um Specifically, the the whole bit was like, "How dare you kiss me? I won't. I'm supposed to be the one who kisses you." Because I will say, the thing that is consistent, there is always legit a really good moment to have with the female leads. Like, there's always one great scene. And he's in a robe again. <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you scruffy looking nerve herder you <laughs> dives right back in <laughs> and then this wonderful little line here where he just oh, yeah. kind of looks at the camera <laughs> <laughs> that's great 
And now going from Venice all the way into the heart of the beast. Oh, quite, not quite, I guess. Just on the verge. That's not till a little bit later. Oh, so yeah, this this castle. Uh, this was supposed to be a reference to what George Lucas originally wanted to do for the third movie. It wanted to be uh, Indiana Jones and a haunted castle. Mm. And this was kind of their compromise that, like, Spielberg's like, that's kind of dumb. Even though I would totally <laughs> watch that. I would totally watch uh, Indiana Jones and a haunted castle. But this was his kind of compromise. I love this moment where Harrison oh Ford gets gosh. to be, he gets to be funny. <laughs> he does, but like a beret. <laughs> yeah, a beret and a Scot and a thick Scottish accent. Love this. <laughs> Pow. <laughs> Great little scene. And into a tapestry. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you're totally right. I did I just noticed that. That's great. And then of course, oh, bringing back the old nemesis. Cause like they didn't want to have Nazis for Temple of Doom. And so they're like, yeah, too rehash. But you know what? I'll take a rehash of Raiders. I don't care because Raiders is so great. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, Harrison. You and me both. Now, I love this setup. Okay, so you see the wide shot of them searching. But earlier you could see the tap. Yeah. And you could even see but you him don't... glance up yeah. at it. You, well, you see, it was in the frame as they were entering, and you could see it clearly, but it's not until he points it out, and so does the camera, do you actually take notice of it. Right, Which, but again, like, is again just... on a rewatch, though, in the long shot, you watch him glance up at it, so they make sure that they show that he notices it, yep. even though you don't notice him notice it. Yep, which is, again, just, it, it really just brings to heart why Spielberg is probably, the, has the best sense of blocking ever yeah i mean that, that he i mean he's a master filmmaker in every sense of the word i mean there really aren't areas of of his work where i'm like oh that's deficient it's like no no it really isn't <laughs> not really no even even his failures are spectacular yeah all of this the shadow <laughs> and then the great reveal junior <laughs> That's such a good response where he gets up and he stands at attention and goes, yes, sir. <laughs> like that tells you everything you need to know about their character relationship dynamic. Like it's been built up, but when you actually get to see them for the first time together, when he says that in the way he does, that says everything about their dynamic. <laughs> and the fact that he's more concerned about the vase than his son's well-being <laughs> it's a fake. <laughs> the look of the look of just 
disappointment on Indy's face. <laughs> it's almost too bad that we never got to see uh, Sean Connery in another uh, Henry Jones Sr. role because... Um, he actually was offered to have like a cameo in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but he said, no, thank you. I'm enjoying my time in retirement, which honestly, I can't, I can't fault. I mean, he's had such a wonderful, magnificent career. Well, uh, he, he has had a magnificent career, but, you know, um, for very much a, a large portion of his career, you know, he was, and, and I appreciate this, he was never shy about why he he was working he's like i'm working so i can go hang out on the beach at my villa yeah he's like yeah. this is what i'm about like that's what I, that's how my life that's what i want to do i work so that i have this villa and this beach which you know what i really can't fault him because when you're that classy you, you just you just deserve to to be able to just sit back on a beach with a margarita yeah, I mean, he's done so many iconic roles, but he's also done so many roles where you're just like, he agreed to wear that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can even tell that he uh, brought uh, a different level of his charm to this one. Like, when he finds out the uh, the name of the uh, the city where the the map begins, oh, he, yeah. he just channels his, like, inner boyhood and excitement. Can we talk about the lighting on faces in this movie? Just, yes. Oh. <laughs> Dr. Jones? Yeah, yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> One of the best uh, lines ever coming up. Yep, yeah, just... Oh, I just love the look on Indy's face where he's like, uh... Um... <laughs> None. My friends and I <laughs> use that line out of context all the time. Yep, I yep. should have mailed it to the Mox Brothers. <laughs> oh, shit. He just straight up murdered those guys. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> His, his dad's a hundred percent like ah uh, what this what is this I huh what a great sub villain right and actually I was legit shocked when uh, Elsa was revealed to be part of the Nazis oh that yeah. was actually first time really you're cool. just like what dude the silhouette with Indy and the MP40 in the background constantly like brilliant oh shit set up double crossed oh that shit eating look dude And she even whips out her her German accent, too. Mm -hmm. Like, just to twist the knife even further. Fucking great. 
this. <laughs> oh my god, that's one of the greatest jokes. And, and it just, <laughs> just the the nonverbal reactions there are just so well done. I know. Uh oh. It's wearing a damn Nazi pin. Yep. Like, I knew he was going to be the big villain, and this wasn't that big of a reveal to me, but I still like, know a lot of other indie fans are like, yeah, that was actually kind of a cool reveal. I love the fact that one of the hallmarks of the films, particularly in the backgrounds, but you just see it everywhere, is whiskey and decanters. Yeah, a little bit, actually. I mean, they do establish indie as kind of a, a heavy drinker. Uh, yeah, actually, but... It, it, it sets the time so well because, like, you know, that time period, it was much more common to use decanters, had an element of class to it. Yep. <laughs> this this wonderful, wonderful setup where it's one of the most amazing bluffs I've ever seen. <laughs> And the slow zoom in. Yep. And not say, only does zooming, anyone help? <laughs> right, not only zooming in, but like coming up slow, like lowering it and tilting it up to like show like he is. This is a power move. Yeah, it's so like uh, uh, it's so earnest and hardcore. And, and here it, it comes, Sala. Oh, I missed Sala. Like he's like one of my favorite sidekicks. I oh, really he's wish so he was... good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that jump cut was. Does anybody now understand a word I am saying? Just like such a great cut. Oh, and speaking of great little um, character moments, where Sala just looks at that guy and he's like, "Uh oh, trouble." And he does this wonderful little bit. Run. <laughs> like, yes, it's all great. Run. <laughs> I love that. He's just trying so hard and Marcus is just completely clueless. Oh, yeah, he's oblivious. And, and Sala's run. He make, gives him such a distinct kind of run. <laughs> so I thought that this would be a moment where we get to have, like, another, like, Cairo fight. Only yep. with Sala, which I thought would have been cool, but no. And uh. right here, the visible, oh, just the way he slumps, it's, it's so sad. <laughs> Okay, yeah, this little bit where he... Well, you mentioned he's like a wonderful little side villain. Mm 
Got to have an excuse <laughs> to keep your hero alive. Just got to. You betrayed me. <laughs> I don't know what's funnier, the fact that Indy's really weirded out or the fact that uh, Henry Jones Sr. is almost completely unfazed by it. Well, I mean, when you hit a certain age, it's like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> and then I love this bit where it's, this is how we say goodbye in Germany. <laughs> I like the Austrian way better. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> I love this entire scene for how much you start to really get a feel for their dynamic as a father and son. Yep. Although my absolute favorite shot with the two of them uh, is when they're tied up, but I'll, I'll let you know when, when it does. Because... Uh, <laughs> God, again, I would kill for just an afternoon with me and my dad up to in shenanigans, like stupid shenanigans like this. Like they'll talk, like they'll put us in like, you know, fake ropes on uh, in two chairs and uh, we can just like have a uh, like a little photo op with some of the fans. <laughs> That'd be freaking great. But yep, it's not enough to the fact that it's it, we got to go a little bit extra. Let's set the entire set on fire. Why not? Well, yeah. You can't just have a little fire. Nope. <laughs> the floor's on fire. <laughs> must. Whoa, must be the dry season, huh? Which is weird, because it was just raining a while ago. Because <laughs> that shit catches fire like friggin straw man well if you think about how old that carpet is in general i mean that's true like if it would got to the tapestries and all that stuff yeah yeah i mean think about it like if you have furniture that's been there for 500 years that woods as dry as it's ever gonna be <laughs> i mean yep. freaking matchstick set <laughs> And I love how happy he is to hear that. Oh news. yeah. Okay, this is my favorite shot. Laugh. This shot. This is such a <laughs> such a great little sight gag. Just so perfect. Oh my god, I love that sequence. My dad and I actually will do that. Like, Dad, what? Dad, what? Dad, what? <laughs> I love that shot so much. Oh. Secret secret entrance. <laughs> Dude, the com the comedy that these two are able to bring to the role. <laughs> so great. Almost. One more time. Oh, and in this great little bit part here. 
Hi. Sup. Hey. <laughs> Dude, come on. How did you miss that shot? Oh, snap. Back around. Okay. We mentioned really great blocking, especially in terms of the action. This shot that's about to come up where come out of the bottom. But this bit right here. Oh yeah. <laughs> Punch. <laughs> and it's just that it, is it's, such... it's just a static shot and it works perfectly. I know. It's but it's so well paced as a shot. Like there's great comedy, there's great action. The reveal it's all so perfect. I love that. And you shot. can just like the the absolute annoyance, like, come on, Dad, like you're go. I'm in charge, you're not on top of this. And yet there's got and yet he does bring a little bit of wisdom all by mm -hmm. just having a good sit. <laughs> it's so funny that he mentioned the Marx brothers. Mm -hmm. They do have a little bit of Marx Brothers dynamic going on. Oh a bit yeah, here. like that. That's you know that even that that call is perfect. More boats. <laughs> that look. <laughs> but yes, I, I love the fact that they looked at that like we already had a boat chase for this movie. Let's have a different chase. Right. What kind of chase? We'll get to there. <laughs> and of course, the about to harken back to Arthurian legend stuff. Yep. Ah, oh, it's see. Look, that reveal doesn't make sense logically, but it makes so much sense cinematically. Oh, yeah. how did they? Yeah, how did they mount? How did that they get thing? in the box? Exactly. How? But who cares? Because that reveal is amazing. Now we got a motorcycle chase with Nazis. Like this is pre Captain. This is Captain America before Captain America. Because I remember, <laughs> you know, because I think I remember my dad took me to go see the first Avenger for the first time, or like I went to go see it a, a second time with him. And when he saw that, and he's like, "Oh my God, they're totally just stealing off of Indiana Jones," and I'm like, "Yeah." The director worked on the movie, so of course. But you know what? I'm here for it because, right. damn, this sequence is amazing. Oh, dude, I would love to have me like a vintage motorcycle like this. Again, oh, just yeah, to do that, this. Oh, yeah, those classic kind of motorcycles where they have the thinner thinner tires are just, yeah. they're, they're great. But even to have like the sidecar and, again, oh, man. Oh, yeah. I really wish I had so much more money so I could do this kind of shit with my dad. Right. Because I know oh, he'd he'd have the time of his life with it. Here it comes. Yes. And now we've got jousting. Yeah, bitches. <laughs> Flagpole versus gun. Flagpole wins. And, of course, it has to knock over these two other guys. But one more is not. But we still uh -huh. got to keep the chase going. One more, and I love the way that he take it out. It's totally implausible because Mythbusters actually did an episode on this exact stunt. 
and they did prove that it's not that's 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 not how it would work it would just like get he would get tripped up a little bit but it wouldn't be to this extent but who cares right. that shot is cool it is fucking cool and the, they even got to the point like it's so cool let's actually try to recreate it in a way that we <laughs> and the should. watch is just like i'm not impressed I don't exactly. Care. Like, he doesn't give a shit. Like he just escaped these guys with spectacular uh, stunts, and he just is just that dad. Like I'm not impressed. You know what's another really great thing about this scene? We just had ourselves a really rousing action sequence. And now it's come down to just two characters out in the middle of a, of a park, just kind of talking. And you can actually hear the, uh, you know, the sounds of nature. It's very serene and quiet and whatnot. So it's such a wonder. It's so in, uh, crazy how it's paced, you know? Like, we went to from this crazy chase sequence to this kind of almost serene moment if it wasn't for the uh, the tone between the two characters. I guess from, yeah. sound, from a sound design standpoint, it's really jarring, but it also flows so well anyway. <laughs> yeah, another I, little thing my dad did to me. Watch for blush, mommy. I mean, it's... It's so perfectly done though, because like, you you really reveal his character here. Um, you know his, his appearance is is perfect. You know he's got the the French cuffs showing, you know, uh, a difference in style. But then like that moment, that switch where it's like, this is serious. This is not me lighthearted. Like, this is you know beyond important, and you need to get on board. Yes. I do wonder what happened to Indy's mom. I mean, it, it was going to have to be addressed because his dad was in it. And, it, I mean, that's such a great little scene uh, with yep. how they, they you know, give that, oh. that, that backstory, but without having to overly dwell on it. Jesus Christ. They always enjoyed their pageantry. Yeah. It's looking like American about four years from now. I won't be. If, if that's where this goes, I don't think I'll be alive to see it. <laughs> yeah. So they had the uh, the they subverted the cliche of knocking the guy out and taking his clothes and they per right. fit perfectly. <laughs> Love how they subverted it there, but now they're just like, yeah, fuck it, we're just gonna do it in full. Like we I don't care. love the extras here because they do and, look and, legit. And, and, right. Well, and I think that's such. Uh, I think Spielberg has so much respect for how he was raised and, and what he was learned and was exposed to 
that he's like, even in a fun movie like this, if I'm showing the Nazi high command, you're going to know who these people are. They're yeah, gonna we're going to have perfect. like a burning pyre fire in front of them to make them look even more sadistic Well, right, and but it's crazy. just like, you could tell, like, that's Borgman. That's Himmler. Like, it's yeah. spot on. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh. I love this whole scene. The delivery, yeah. the 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 blocking, just oh. everything. And how they're both like in they just can't qu- quite do anything to one another. But then just to go a little bit extra with this scene. Yeah. Let's do this. I remember th- watching this for the first time. And being so, it, it, be, having it be so intense. And also the music cue that they have with the drums. You're just and like, the, holy shit. But it's also hilarious because it's like, man, even one of my officers is like, I need, I have to get your autograph. And he's like, all right. You know, that's the ego of Adolf Hitler, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you can tell such... some of the other officers are just like, really? Yeah. Like, all right. <laughs> but it's just such a great tense moment. Yeah. But Although the way he, actually... he puts it back where he's like, really? Even my, like, my officers stopped me? Like, yep. uh, fine. <laughs> Although, uh, actually, did you recognize who played Hitler in that moment? Uh, I don't it's actually the same dude it's another uh imperial um uh officer from empire strikes back it's admiral ozzel the one uh, that uh vader chokes over uh, uh over skype chat <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah they they brought him in to to play adolf hitler which uh and jesus christ is he scary as him but now we have our next mode of transportation which i love this Oh, yeah. The Zeppelin. And I love how fake it clearly is. Like, you can tell that lots of it's matte painting and stuff in the background. But I really don't care because, again, it just adds to that pulp sensibilities. I just noticed something. He's reading that newspaper upside down. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hey, check it out. It's Pat Roach, once again, (laughs) to appear in Indiana Jones movie and get beat up and killed. Which, sadly, we don't actually get to see in this one. So, this is the only one where they had Pat Roach in the film. Like, he's he's there, but he had an extended scene where he got beat up and killed. Mm -hmm. Um, So, they didn't get to quite follow through with their running gag of, you know, the same stuntman getting... (laughs) <laughs> killed <laughs> by the hero in every movie but it does lead to this uh i actually remember showing this to a friend of mine in high school um because he hadn't seen any of the uh, the indiana jones movies at all uh he he i've never seen him laugh very hard ever he was kind of like a quiet reserved kind of guy but this whole no ticket thing made him laugh for like a solid 30 minutes like he would not shut up about this 
the the and the <laughs> wide eyes right beforehand and yep yeet <laughs> as the gen seers would say yeet The, the look on that woman's face just right? how well she just... <laughs> okay, uh, look how fake this looks. Oh, yeah. But I don't care. Again, I, I know it's he's just shaking his fist against the green screen, but I really don't give a shit. Like, I still love you this movie. You don't need to. It's fine. Exactly. It, that's the, it, I don't even consider that a bug. It's actually more of a feature. <laughs> like we gotta talk about this dad like that was really weird you were completely unfazed and i have used that line so many times now in life ships that pass in the night archaeology is a convention than realizing it's like you and a dude you've been drinking with for like four hours have like the same extra like oh hi yeah exactly it's just <laughs> You know, archaeology is a very lonely profession. This, it's I, I so love how, good. Yeah, yeah, because I mean they keep it vague enough, like the how, like the specifics, the what and the where and the hows and all that's really not important. What really matters is the why to these characters, which is well. But so... that, that's how family dynamics work. It's always exactly. comes down to the why. You're, you're not going to harp on the 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 nitpicky shit you're gonna harp on you know this is the overarching issue like there is a core to it yep and uh, and the fact that not only it works so well for the characters but you know for all the comic book writers and you know the the, the future writers of the franchise and who love this and even for the casual watcher just letting their imagination run wild it creates so much room for you to fill in blanks and to imagine exactly what happened you know like mm -hmm. and the, the use of shadow right there was just yep that's good oh shit oh the humanity <laughs> <laughs> I love this moment because, I mean, this is, is spot on for, you know, um, what you would see in the belly of something like that. I mean, yes. the, the structuring is, I mean, again, yep. that going back to the level of detail they, they pay attention to. This is a great line. So is that like a comment on Harrison Ford's many crashes and flying skills? 
<laughs> I don't know like if it the was precursor. the time. I don't, yeah, I don't know if this is, is art imitating life or life imitating art. I think it's the <laughs> latter, but... <laughs> Because <laughs> like, you hear about all these different crashes. Although, I think my favorite was, oh, and, uh, like... and this moment, though, right here, this joke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where he looks at his pocket watch. <laughs> <laughs> He's so out of his element, but it's so great. But yeah, I always imagine like uh, when uh, like it was like right after Force Awakens came out, Harrison Ford had to crash on a golf course. Uh, right, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I always imagined him like he's fine and everything. Paramedics are rushing in and he's checking up on him, and they're running over his plane wreckage, and he's like, "I'm fine. I don't need a doctor." Hey, hey, hey! Get off my plane! <laughs> <laughs> and that is completely given their whole dynamic you know yep. that's exactly how I'm, he play would play I, that i'm sorry sean they got us <laughs> you i guess they have a goat yeah <laughs> <laughs> better than most i i'll give it that for you harrison ford but yeah, now it doesn't let up. Like now we gotta, now we gotta run away. Now that our plane's gone, we got. They're still chasing after us. Uh huh. So now we gotta do a car chase that's over a plane. Like we're on what? We're uh, we are an hour and eighteen, and we've already had four. We're on chase number four of this movie. Right. But I it's mean, crazy. That, and but that moment that that just passed, like, Oop. it's a new experience <laughs> for me. Happens to me all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little bit of a Jurassic Park moment there. Objects might appear closer uh -huh. than they appear. Oh, dude. But I the think fa the fact that people are always trying to kill Harrison Ford underlines that he's a terrible archaeologist because yeah. if he was doing it right, <laughs> they wouldn't be trying to kill him. Don't give the Nazis credibility and a, re and a good reason to kill him, man. Like, we got enough problems with Nazis right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> this moment, like... <laughs> <laughs> that's like a... That's, right there, I feel like you should insert the Tim Allen noise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you were saying uh, Damn, those man, those those governmental never get rid of them potholes. <laughs> it's just like arms this, clear off the arms, let's go. This is fine. This is fine. Okay, okay, I'm coming, Sean. <laughs> okay, so now you mentioned earlier that Sean Connery just does these movies so he can, like, relax on a beach, right? Right. <laughs> so now that he's in his element on a beach, <laughs> he becomes the hero. <laughs> Get him, birds! Get him! Get him! Bird strike, man. When bird strike happens, it is terrifying. Hey, dude, that's that's like bird. That's birdemic right there. <laughs> Death by birdemic. 
And he's so self-satisfied. <laughs> huh. I'm impressed. Oh, this moment. Yeah. We get the uh, the Nazis to side with um with these guys to help them on their quest. Well, right, but the but the car, man, the car. Oh, dude. Dude. Like, I'm not really into cars or whatnot, but even just to spend an afternoon driving around in that thing would be a blast. The the style of cars from the 40s and 30s are just amazing. I mean... That, like, extreme level of art deco. mm Mm-hmm. Meh. I mean, I'm with you. I'm not much of a car guy, but I would love, like, a classic car from the 40s. And it's a Rolls freaking Royce, dude. So, is this turning into like a Rolls Royce commercial? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, was this specifically product placement just so, like, you know, Frank Marshall or Steven Spielberg could get like a Rolls Royce? <laughs> Because, you know what, I'm okay with that, because, like, it, it, when, because, uh, you know, you see, like, lots of gratuitous product placement in movies and whatnot. And, oh, yeah. Uh, half, sometimes it's actually kind of funny, like, you know, you just hear the backstory where, like, uh, <laughs> I think Rick and Morty hit it on the, be- like, the part, the, the nail on the head where it's like, Nintendo, give me free stuff! <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, shit. <laughs> oh, now we get the tank. Uh-huh. Dude. Now, what's really cool is apparently that is not based off of any uh, existing tank. It's actually cobbled together from several different designs into one. That does not surprise me because the the more elongated design is very much reminiscent more of World War One. Exactly, but they weren't really doing turrets that that way at World War One. So yeah, or at least not until very late into the war. Um, right, but I mean, like with the side turrets and everything else, yeah. it's like the the design doesn't doesn't track for sure. I, I I'm like ninety percent sure that was based off of like a uh, a concept art, like a proof of concept or mm. something like that. And they decided, you know what, let's just make our own custom tank. Let's just try to make it look cool. Uh, and you know, I'll be damned if they succeeded, because oh, that yeah. thing is awesome. Yeah, they do. <laughs> oh, and I love uh, this little moment here. It's like, get down so that where they can't see you. I'm sorry, you were saying. <laughs> and then this little bit from uh, the tire. 
<laughs> that car belonged to my brother-in-law. Oh, dude, this whole sequence coming up is just oh, like... Oh, yeah. I think, actually, like, out of all the action sequences I've seen in all four of these movies, this actually may be my absolute favorite. Because it starts right off with the, uh, the the brotherhood of protecting the cross. Just completely ambushing and, and them. And I love the, the, the lead-up to this when you're looking at them, because, like... You can tell they know they're outmatched, but, like, they still have a job to do, and they're going to try and do it. Look at that shit, dude. Look, they have every th all these squibs and extras running around in the back just for a background shot. That's so cool. Like, you never see that anymore. Just, like, all this, these squibs and, and the explosions and X. Yep, Wilhelm scream. But all these squibs and explosions and extras running around are all just for the background of a mm -hmm. wide shot. Like, no one do, does that And how anymore. did they even know to pull the shirt down? Because movie and fuck you, this sequence is amazing. <laughs> That's why. It's so that blood is so fake, but yeah, man, is it? Because like it looks it, it, great on his face, but terrible on the clothes. Yeah, it, it honestly looks like you know, uh, a combination of paint and Kool Aid. <laughs> <laughs> now we got Indy back on the horse, literally. <laughs> this. This little exchange here is so great. <laughs> Professors like being nerds, of course. <laughs> yep, yep. Love the dynamic between those two as well. Such an asshole. He's just constantly hitting. Mm-hmm. Stop hitting. Oh, man, that's such a poignant line. And, and he was ready to, like, just go off on him yep. until he got interrupted. <laughs> no, the other Jones is getting away. <laughs> Man, dude, as my fiance is used to be an equestrian, I can really, I just really appreciate how much effort it takes for him to steal not one but four friggin' horses. Right. And, and I love without that between proper... all of that, it's like they stole like ten beasts, like, yeah, in short order. Like that's no easy feat, and not to, to mention the fact that he is not wearing any safety gear. Like, right. riding a horse is exceptionally dangerous, actually. So, in Raiders, we had this wonderful stunt of a uh, a horse jumping onto, or jumping from a horse onto a truck. Now it's upgraded mm. to a tank. Right. I'm here for it. 
I'm surprised those guys aren't completely deaf now, because you need hearing protection when you fire a tank. Oh, yeah. Not to mention being on the inside of a tank in a desert. Yeah. Like, you gotta be dying. There's a reason why they call those things uh, uh, ovens on treads. <laughs> now this i thought was really great they got the thing lodged on the barrel so what's the logical thing to do now even though there are guys on the inside man those side cannons add so much to the this sequence Oh, yeah, now this, here's another... Oh, okay, so... Now, like I said, car's stuck on there. What do you do? <laughs> well, blow it up, of course. Right. <laughs> and then let's and run, run it, run it over. over for good measure. <laughs> exactly, because, again, we just, we just got to be so extra with this. All right, now, here's where I call some major bullshit. <laughs> That's some Roadrunner sh logic right there. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, if you block a barrel, it will it can cause this kind of effect, but that's not effective enough of blocking a barrel. No, you need to weld that shit in in order for it to really have that kind of an effect. Because it's well, even well, peeled then, out. Or if, he, or if he had gotten, you know, enough rocks where it was like, you know, half to three quarters of the way down the barrel, like, that might cause enough of a, tra of a clogged traffic jam to have that effect. Yeah. But a single one's not going to. No. But you know what? It's fun, so exactly. why, why, why complain? <laughs> exactly. But I just love the fact that they went full cartoon with it, and they had the uh, the barrel peel out like a banana. Right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we're going to do the big jump. All practical, kids. Don't try this at home. Please, try it at home. <laughs> but if you're going to do it at home, make sure you get it on camera. <laughs> it's not my kid. <laughs> oh, I love this. Oh, Pow! Yeah. All three of them. <laughs> Even he's like, damn. Also, kids, take notes here, because... This is how you treat Nazis, by punching the living shit out of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, this is so good. We're just... Oh! I almost wish that they put, like, a crunch sound effect for, like, the bones getting crushed underneath the treads. <laughs> oh, yeah, the periscope. Oh, yeah. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, the American is getting his ass kicked. Hey, you want to see? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> 
down for the count. Also, this is something you really don't want to do in the inside of a tank. Not for yeah. just the reasons for this. Just the sheer noise. Because, like, you remember in that first episode of Walking Dead where uh, Rick Grimes fires a gun inside the oh, tank? Yeah. And, and it's just like, oh, my ears. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> the, the pen is mightier than the sword. <laughs> he's so professor i love that whoa man the and i love that moment because it's such a moment of like his dad's had enough like his yep. dad's it's like nope i'm it's like i'll blow these guys up yep ow ow Ow. Seriously. Okay. Like, when he pulls out the shovel here. Oh, yeah. Ow. Seriously, my fingers actually really hurt mm. when he does that. I, I, I legitimately, like, uh, uh, ow. Like, I'm pretty sure it's like a rubber, um, like a rubber shovel or something like that. But right, but. Either way, it's just like, I really love how they're able to really bring the pain Oh, shit. What's Indy going to do? You know, he could literally just let go of his bag, but, <laughs> like, where's the tension in that, right? Oh, crap. Good show, Marcus. I <laughs> love the blood. Alright, favorite part. Yeah! Go get him, Indy! Go get but him! But I like how they, they don't, like, he's climbing up, his bag is still caught, and then it's magically not caught. Yep, just... exactly! Like, who cares? Like, the music just yeah, you swelled, don't. and you're, you're like, like, let's go! Let's get him, Indy! <laughs> you punched that Nazi in the face! Yeah, that this that, little right, that, there you go marcus you're off <laughs> he's right behind you he's good oh shit just roll right roll oh and solid to the rescue and kidney punch It's not enough to just uh, to to jump off a horse onto the tank. You got to jump off the tank onto a horse now. So many great stunts. And then this moment, this whole sequence, his hat never falls off. But right here, they specifically pulled the hat off just to show. Oh shit. Great villain death, by the way. Oh yeah, this is so fun. <laughs> oh look I mean, at the you dummy. know it's just like a toy or a figure but just the way it flops around is uh, like oh so good and then effectively just kind of like after the uh, the motorcycle chase 
We had this rousing adventure action sequence, extended sequence, and then once it's over, it's dead silence. Although I just noticed that I never noticed that before. A little bit of a of, of a miss there. They have the top break off, but then there it was back on top again. Yeah, so here I think the silence is even more effective because, like, his dad's on, like, realizing, oh, my God, I lost my boy. Mm-hmm. But, we're, but, you know, us as fans are like, oh, pff, he's fine. <laughs> right. He's fine. He's a little shook up, but he's fine. <laughs> and I love the way he actually just walks oh, right yeah. into frame just like the hell are you guys looking at <laughs> you know so raiders of the lost ark might have more iconic sequences and maybe slightly better uh action sequences but i think this one finally figured out that we can have that but also really great t character dynamics for all of them because oh yeah and i mean this movie just has so much heart it's yeah it's, it's the heart that really makes this movie stand out comparatively <laughs> and then there's that. Yeah. <laughs> the Crescent Moon Canyon. <laughs> oh, this is such a cool location. Mm-hmm. With the dust and the, 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 the sun streaming through. Um, I forget exactly where this is, but I know this is actually on location in, like, the uh, um, the upper part of the African continent. Yeah. Like, this is an actual real old uh, ancient city. And I know, like, yes, the, like a lot of you exterior, out there are going to yeah. be like, oh, I know exactly where it is. And just like, by all means, feel free to let me know where this place actually is in the comments. I knew at one point, but, you know, you kind of forget stuff over the years. Yeah. Where well, shit. <laughs> I've been waiting all of my life to go here. And as we enter, but uh, although interestingly enough, we don't have any uh, show of force from the Nazis outside. You'd think they would have put a couple of guards outside the door. Uh. I guess it's so they could lure them into a trap, which basically what's, ooh, spoilers, I guess, like, for those of you, if you're watching this movie and you haven't seen it, what are you doing with your life? Well, it's more if you're watching this movie with us talking over it and having never seen it, what are you doing with exactly. your life? Exactly. Like, go home, like, go home, watch it again, and then come on back and, you know, hit that like and subscribe button, please. 
We are happy please. to spend this time with you, but this is not how you should first experience a movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this this whole bit here with the uh, the the tests to get through. And I mean, I did the the effect they do with the wind and everything is just oh, it's so good. And the excessive sweat. Oh. Like a bowling ball. Oh, jeez. And then wonderful <laughs> little reveal here. <laughs> Once again, Marcus just knocking it out of the park as oh, your yeah. little comic relief. I mean, that, that kind of, of physicality is not easy to do particularly with how natural he makes it yeah yeah <laughs> another classic line yep that's 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 so humphrey bogart I can see a, have a little bit more respect for this guy. He's like, yeah, I'm not really a Nazi. I'm just here for their money and power, so I can have it to my have like eternal uh, immortality to myself. Like, well, yeah, I it. mean that that's like the dream of every rich jerk out there. It's just like I'm rich, but now I'm getting old. How do I live forever? I'm gonna live forever. shit man the sound design on that gunshot like you know you've heard it many times before but the fact that they really up the volume on it like just gives it that real impact that it needs yeah and now it becomes a race against time to save his dad and he knows it too that's the cool part And that zoom right there. Oh, I know. It's literally in your face. Now the first trial. There's always three. It's 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 never. I I love how they make the stone lions look in this movie. They're just great. Yep. Because we've mentioned before. Oh yeah, these are just like look like film sets and whatnot. But you know, it always. I would have killed to be on a set like this. Right. Or if I was directing a movie like this, I would have killed to have a set like this. Because it it has that level of pixie dust. A little bit of movie magic in the air. Yeah. And now the first trial where the humble man kneels in the face of God.
and I also like they're kind of getting this weird uh, psychological uh, mind link here. Mm-hmm. Don't forget the roll. Right. <laughs> Jesus. That's why would you, one. like, why would he have stopped it, though? It's like, let let it be an obstacle for them. Otherwise, you know, he runs the risk of just shooting his dad in the face. <laughs> At least that's my logic towards it. Fair. Look at those cobwebs, man. <laughs> the word of God. But in Latin, Jehovah begins with an I. So is this like an early proof of concept for the, the mind link of the force in the, the sequel trilogy? <laughs> like where they can just kind of mentally talk to one another? Whoa! That's right. Oh my gosh, I never caught that before. What's up? How close behind they were. I never caught Elsa in the background. Oh there yeah, before you're totally right. Now. In that previous shot. Oh. Yeah, and that's important because like no wonder they knew what to do here, because I always kind of wondered that myself, but like they were right there. I yep. never caught that. There they are. Yeah, you're totally right. But like having her there before he walked sets that up, and I had never caught that before. Well, that's that's the great thing about movies like this. Like upon rewatchability, they just become uh, you, you f notice those tiny little details that pay off in ways that even you could have never noticed the first time around. Yeah. A leap of faith. <laughs> oh, dude, this is so cool. The way the optical mm -hmm. illusion. And the fact that it, they actually made it an like a camera optical illusion, yeah. But and, and it's something that cinematically makes sense, but doesn't make sense logically because you would think that when upon arriving there, he would just like turn his head slightly over this way, over that way, right. and be like, huh. or that you would be tapping in front of you with your foot, or maybe he'd be like, huh, that bridge looks a little bit weird. I think I'll throw some sand on it, but. It makes for such a wonderful moment here where he actually has to take a leap of faith. <laughs> <laughs> such a good reveal. Okay, we're going to dolly the camera over, and there's our reveal shot. Yep. Trailer moment for the ages. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So cool, dude. <laughs> and then this wonderful little moment here. Because you know that's an actual thing where they're just... Boop! 
Yep. Awesome. I like that you have to crawl in. Like yes. You have to be. It makes you be humble. Yep. Are you the pizza guy? <laughs> I haven't spoken to anyone socially for 700 years. I should be a madman. Well, in a way he is, because the first thing, he gets his first visitor in for how long, and first th his first instinct is to kill. Even though he is way too old for this. Way too old for this shit. Well, he's so old he can barely swing his sword, but he's still in his mail, which makes me wonder, has he just not taken it off? And if so, how bad does he smell? Yeah, you, you, does he have, like, a second set of clothes? Is there, like, a... Also, like, I mean, he he uh, obviously lived off the grail, but doesn't he eat? Like, is there, like, a mini-fridge under there or something? Like, <laughs> I have so many questions. Also, as a archaeologist, shouldn't he be losing his shit, the fact that there is a living, breathing man who speaks English from the Crusades that could <laughs> literally orally give him so much fucking history. Right. Like, as a, a, any historian who comes across a person who is a, who's been around for 700 years wouldn't even necessarily question how they've been alive for 700 years. They'd be like, oh my god, we need to ask so many questions. We need to write right. all of this down. Although another thing to note, I really love the way they light the uh, the 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 uh, the, the night. Mm -hmm. He almost looks like he's in black and white. Yeah, I mean it. it it's it's almost angelic. Angelic and ancient uh, are the words that I would use because you know it. Uh, it it's like you know he, even though he's been alive for so long through the Grail, you know that's that's a long time and a lot of one's life force tends to go out after a while. Yeah. But what I, what I love is uh, all the different grails there to hide the one true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not the right one. You're gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if he was smart, he would have had one of his cronies, right. uh, like back there with the rifles, just uh, just take a first but, sip to make sure. But he trusts Elsa, which is funny because it's his own advice he's faltering on. Don't trust anyone. Yep. Way to listen to that's that just goes to show, like one of the greatest things about human nature is we e even the wisest of men tend to not listen to their own wisdom. Yeah. And he did not choose wisely. He chose rather poorly. Oh, great death. Great mm -hmm. death sequence. 
They don't always have the best villains, but they have the best villain deaths. I know, right? I always thought it kind of looked like an ain't what Christopher Lloyd looks like now. <laughs> like, where, with the eye. <laughs> and this little moment right here with the pin. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Like, you could tell they had to really speed it up in order to get that effect, but it's so yeah. worth it. And then, of course, you know, um, Harrison Ford looking around for the real one. Takes one and no one. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a valid point. I never actually <laughs> put that together. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Harrison Ford started out as a carpenter working for George Lucas and yep. eventually cast him in American Graffiti. Then he uh, did test readings of Han Solo and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. I guess it all comes full circle here where a modest uh, a modest carpenter becomes like one of the coolest people ever. I love the fact that they actually have like a little light bulb inside the cup to make it, uh -huh. to give it that holy look to it. Yeah. I actually know a couple friends in the, uh, the, the prop making community and I should probably see if they know anyone who makes a, a holy grail prop with the light bulb. That'd actually be <laughs> kind of cool. And this is a great moment where he looks up at his son and he's like, I'm alive. And then he spots the grail. Junior. Yeah, and this wonderful moment where he realizes, holy shit, I'm holding it in my hand. Run away! Our boss is now <laughs> our I boss love how polite dead. he is. Drop yep. your guns, please. <laughs> our boss is dead. We're not getting paid. Let's get out of here. No, Elsa. No. Bad Elsa. Oh, y'all done fucked up. How fitting is it that lust for the grail, lust being the key word here is the thing that uh is Elsa's uh downfall. Well, I mean, I think greed in general, you know, like of that nature is is very much portrayed as 
as the danger of things. Yep. You know, the old man was greedy for more life. Yep. Nope. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. And now Indy's stuck in the exact same spot. Yeah, but... What a wonderful the... test. And then the way... Yeah. Oh, he calls him Indiana. Friggin' brilliant, man. Like, that's how you mm -hmm. write good characters. Oh, yeah. Oh, this exchange between him and the knight. The reverence in his face. Mm -hmm. I can finally die now, thank God. Man, how many temples and places has Indy completely vandalized? I've lost right. count. A little bit of a corny lesson, but I'm here for it. <laughs> oh yeah, Raiders March. This little bit. <laughs> you are <laughs> <laughs> And this little rebuttal. <laughs> you have no idea what the <laughs> hell you're doing, Marcus. <laughs> oh, that's a really great little last coda. After you, Junior. Yes, sir. Mirroring that very bookending that first bit with them, Junior. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's great. And we get our full indie indie march as Indiana is trying to help out poor Marcus, Marcus. who's just barely and, holding and just on. Just the, the iconic riding into the sunset. Yep. Because Spielberg has said many times, he's like, I specifically made this last shot of them riding into the sunset because I totally thought that this was going to be the end of Indiana Jones. Um, in a weird way, though, I'm kind of thankful that he kept that they all kept going, really. But I think we'll save that for our next episode because I'm sure that's where we're going to get a lot of divisive people. Um, 
Michael Moore. That what, could what, no, what are you talking about? Huh? No, I'm looking at we, the. We, uh, we just we just wrapped Indiana Jones. What are you talking about? Oh no, we're doing four. <laughs> we are going to go uh, a full. We are going with all of them. Damn it! Because you are a you're a sadist. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did tell me that in in college while I was making films. But then again, to make films, I guess you kind of have to be. <laughs> Fair. So, sound design, Ben Burt, brilliant man. But yeah, that's that's really about it for Indiana Jones, at least uh, for Last Crusade. And yeah, it's actually been a while since I uh, sat down and watched this in full. So and goddamn, it just keeps getting better and better. How about you, sir? Yeah, I, I mean, every time, uh, I mean, as I mentioned here, uh, watching it, like you, I always catch little things that I missed previous times that uh, I. I don't always catch it it's yeah it's wonderful i mean these movies though it's like this is the stuff i grew up with yeah it's like i don't think there will ever come a time where somebody goes to me it's like you want to watch indiana jones movie and i'm gonna be like no no yeah. i don't <laughs> if, if that's i think uh that's your uh <laughs> that's your little code that you're under distress like hey you want to watch indiana jones and you say no quick Help Sean, right. he's in danger. <laughs> like, something's wrong. <laughs> That's actually a little great little code. We'll just use that in the future. If I get a text from right. you and say, like, hey, I really don't want to watch Indiana Jones today, I will come and help and save you. <laughs> I will throw on my hat and, hat and whip and go, go out and start punching Nazis <laughs> to, save, to save you all, all in that stuff. But, yeah, man, like, this, this movie is just aged so freaking well and it keeps getting better and better honestly i feel like in a hundred years it's going to speak to the youth of cinema even then you know when at when long after harrison ford and george lucas and frank marshall and steven spielberg and all these wonderful people have been long dead these movies are going to be cherished by generations uh, way into the future. Um, oh yeah, I mean, and, and that's just it. So many of um, you know Spielberg's films, in particular, uh, will stand the test of time. And yep. you know, likewise, you know George Lucas with what he created. I mean, it, yep. it's going to span generations, and you know that's how it is for many of the greats, uh, as it should be. And there's also, you know, there's certainly films that have stood the test of time. Uh, that are not always helmed by great directors, but have stood it because of performances or other such things. But I definitely think uh, as far as living directors go, I don't know that you're ever going to find someone who has as much impact and influence on cinema, obviously, as Spielberg. Uh, and on top of that, though, it's like when it comes to everything beyond directing, I don't know that you're necessarily going to find someone who has had as much impact on cinema as Lucas. So then yeah. putting those two together, it's like, well, of course you came away with something. And not just together, but together, you know, in their prime. Yes. Of course you came out with something that fantastic. Yep. Because, you know, like Temple of Doom was kind of a low point for both Lucas and Spielberg personally. We kind of went in this last episode, but... Um, here, this is where they regain their footing and for so much better. And I actually kind of wish that 
you know, like I know that Spielberg kind of wanted to keep it as like a trilogy and whatnot and have them ride off into the sunset as one last uh, adventure. But at the same time, you know how amazing it would have been if we had, you know, an Indiana Jones of the 90s and we didn't have to wait like, you know, what what was it, like almost 20 years for a sequel. I mean, you could say that, but at, at the same time, I don't necessarily know that a sequel was necessary and by that i mean um there are certain franchises who go out on top you know who are able to to walk away gracefully and you know prior to this being sequeled i would have put this on that list and you know there's some other ones where it's like they do it well enough and then sometimes it's just like oh like you really went back to the well one too many times. Yeah, I, I, like and I, some like really great example is probably like the Jason Bourne movies. He had a great trilogy, done, and then they come yeah. up with Jason Bourne, and it's like, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree. You know, that's that's definitely one of them. Um, and you know, uh, to another point, with some that have gone on for a very long time, it's just like. There are some good Mission Impossible movies out there, but there are also some where you're just like, can you not? Are we done now? Are we done yet? Right? I guess, well, see, I think I'm a little bit more lenient towards something like Mission Impossible and Indiana Jones because they, like, you know, for something like, say, Star Wars, that has, like, a very clear, overarching, middle, beginning, and end sort of thing. Um but Indiana Jones and both uh, and Mission Impossible even they're very episodic actually which is why I wouldn't mind seeing more you know because there is no like real beginning middle and end except or at least in terms of like an overarching thing in the franchise there is certainly within each individual film though um, but uh, in, in terms of each but in, in that way uh, you could almost view each film as like a, a weird extended episode, you know? So I that's why I really <laughs> don't mind Crystal Skull as much because it's just it's just another episode. My expectation when it came out was I'm just going to expect a little bit more of the same, and I got that, so I was satisfied. Eh, I mean, we'll, we'll, get, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yes. It's, there's... I don't know. It, it, it's one of those things where it's trying to recapture something after all that time doesn't always work. Uh, I mean, there's certain franchises yeah. where, you know, they went a substantial number of years between them, but because, um, you know, the time frame they were set in uh, or the, uh, the world, whatever, hadn't shifted that much, it, you know, it didn't play badly. Coming mm-hmm. to mind... Uh, whether or not you love or hate these films, the fourth one stands up as not being, uh, as as still fitting very well within them is, you know, Lethal Weapon. There okay, was a yeah. substantial amount of time between three and four, mm-hmm. but, I mean, the dynamic, everything about, like, it didn't play false. Like, you you don't watch that movie and you're like, this was, like, shoehorned in and didn't need to be here and didn't work. Like, no. Like, it plays fine. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of the problem is that with how much time had passed between the production and then also because that time had passed and having to move the time period 
the film takes place in forward um i think that there was just a level of you know they they caught lightning in a bottle uh when they first made these movies and i just don't think they were able to do that uh a fourth time yeah uh and but at the same time i i just kind of sit back and say to myself that you're totally right they did catch lightning in a bottle in those first couple of times and they're probably never going to do it again if they do great if they don't i have that expectation that they probably won't so <laughs> i guess that uh, um uh everyone just needs to lower their expectation <laughs> well, right but you know there, there's a certain level of yes you need to lower your expectations but you know let me get into something here that you know, people might want to cut off at this point, but, you know, we're talking about Lucas, and you want to talk about expectations. Um, I, I'm always a little conflicted on the man, because obviously I love so much of what he's done. Mm -hmm. But this is also a man who has advocated in the past for the preservation of cinema as it was done, but then rejects that same ideology for himself. And well, that's what it's like. Yeah. Mm. As I mean, as I mentioned earlier, when, you know, uh, he takes the cup, the false grail, even the wisest of men do not follow their own advice. And it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's frustrating. I totally agree with you, dude. <laughs> and, yeah, and, you know, it's like there's, there's a lot of stuff, you know, in those fields and that kind of stuff where I'm just like, ah, oh, like, can like you should have just left it be. You did something so good, yeah. you know, so brilliant. It's like we didn't need more of that. Now I don't care if, you know, if they wanted to do something like, hey, we want to revisit this this archetype, this style, this whatever. Um, you know, you could have definitely done like you know something of like being his kid, bringing people like. There's ways you could have done it. Uh, but... Do we really want to talk about Mutt Williams? <laughs> well, no, but what, what I'm saying, though, is is that, you know, not, not talking specifically to that character. Uh -huh. uh, what I'm saying in general is, like, if you wanted to make these kind of movies again, you should have let Indy be and just picked up with his son without him. Okay, I see what you're doing, but... I, I, then again, Harrison Ford has always been unusually enthusiastic about these movies. Um, so I feel like he's, it's almost to the point where it's, he's like, they're making another Indiana Jones movie? Oh, I'm coming. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know what but... it is, but uh, honestly, you know what? I really wouldn't mind seeing him back for an Indy 5, especially if it's like one of those passing of the torches sort of things that we kind of been getting uh, from Yeah, well, they tried to pass the torch last time, but we all saw how that went. Yeah, he's like, nope, I ain't doing that. <laughs> I'll be back for Indy 5, damn it. <laughs> Just yeah, try and, and stop me. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know, like, there's... There's a lot to be said with, I mean, there's, I mean, this is taking us into a whole different territory, but there's certain actors who it's like, they might do good work, but, you know, you look at their work and you're like, yeah, they're going to pop up and they're going to do something that I'm going to enjoy. Cool. But at the same time, you know, like, this person is not going to helm a five film franchise. Like, this is not who you're going to get from that. Yeah. And it's those moments where you're just kind of like, 
Okay, I see the choice you made there, but I'm confused. Let's see what you do with it. <laughs> Who kn- it, it might it might turn out great. It might turn out horribly, but either way, I think we're all going to be entertained. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not saying there's not an entertainment value to stuff. Lord knows, I watch some stuff that is doesn't have a whole lot of artistic value, but has a high amount of entertainment value to it. Especially and, when there's booze involved, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's, I'm just saying there's a distinction between the two, and yes. that's something to be, you know, noted. And yes. it's just going to kind of depend, you know, a, a lot of the stuff. It, it's, it's also subjective, you know. It's how are you making it? Who are you making it for? What are your targets? And, and that kind of stuff changes. Yes. Um, you know, it, specifically, you know, Indiana Jones films are very much uh, movies that um, people enjoy, but it was definitely geared towards kind of like uh, an all-ages audience skewing to a certain level, um, you know, more towards the young. Like, not children, but not, you know, necessarily adults either. Like, adventure films like that play to a certain level. Which is really funny when you you can... Well, it's still really funny when you say that, when you consider the amount of violent carnage that goes on oh yeah for sure but that that's kind of me that's bringing back me to the point i was trying to get to which is yeah there's a lot of that in 80s movies that are geared towards younger audiences and Ah. that's i think where a switch happened because as that became no longer the standard as as you know movies for that demographic became more sanitized more kid glove handled yeah um it's then a little difficult to come back around and and do that genre uh once that tonal shift has happened in the same way yep and so i think that's a lot of you know what suffered i mean look at it now uh when you look at movies geared towards that you know stuff or 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 you know people you know paying tribute to that that's a hundred percent what stranger things is doing Mm-hmm. But no one is being like, oh, my eight-year-old should watch Stranger Things. But, like, 100%, like, that's the audience that would have been geared towards in, if that came out in the 80s. Like, that's who's going to go watch that. Ah, uh, the 80s. When ki- when movies were made for adults but marketed to children. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, there was also, um, and, you know, the internet has swung the pendulum back this direction. Um, but... You know, you got so much monitoring going on with cell phones and all this other kind of stuff. But, yeah. like, as a kid, I'd go over to my neighbor's house at, like, you know, seven, eight years old. And, like, they're putting on movies I'm not allowed to watch. Like, I'm seeing, you know, Jaws and I'm seeing, you know, like, weird horror films. And oh, it's yeah. just like, my parents, like, couldn't stop this. They had no control because it's like, oh, he's playing with his friends. He's over with his friends. It's fine. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm coming home like, holy hell. I know, right? Like, and, I have seen things. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's it's stuff like that where it's like when you pull back the lens on that and you're like, there seems to be a lot more level of control of that kind of stuff going on these days just because of, how more monitored uh, interactions are between, you know, with kids and parents. And yeah, and, and I'm not saying that's wrong. I mean, like the parenting um, narrative has changed and I don't necessarily think it's for the better or worse. I think, it, you know, it's just, it's very much different. Yeah. And 
So it's it's really hard to actually, articulate all this, but it, it's just like that was such a time where if something was big, even if it was like something you weren't supposed to, like that your family didn't approve of, you had a high level of knowledge of it. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, I mean, you even could attribute this series to having that mentality. I mean, when you look at Temple of Doom, Jesus Christ, it's, it's, it is the movie that inspired the PG-13 rating, after all. Um, and so, and um, one of them. Well, uh, Gremlins, Gremlins was the other one, to too. Yeah, yeah uh, although from what I was told, it was like mostly Temple of Doom. But either way, um, uh, that's like after Temple of Doom, like Spielberg looked at that like this is just way too dark. And I got to. Yeah, and I mean, that, that's legit. I mean, a heart being ripped out is not exactly geared to no. parental guys. But then again, you know, you roll back to, you know, case in point they haven't gone back and re-rated stuff since that rating change mm-hmm. happened so it's like i will go back and watch some movies from like the 60s and 70s and i'm like this is pg this is when Ooh, pg really, meant we, something bitches like we really needed that pg-13 rating because like <laughs> man i wouldn't have been allowed to watch this as a kid right <laughs> good times good and that's something times. else really weird to think like i'm older than pg-13 existence strange you're old moaning like a geezer get off my lawn (laughs) well i will join you on your lawn uh come uh in a couple of weeks because next week we're going to be doing avatar with an old friend of mine Stay tuned. But uh, in the meantime, I think this has been a really good time to cap this off. So, uh, yeah, this has been an ca- episode of Comtrack where you'll never have to watch a movie alone again. I've been Tim. I've been Sean. And we'll see you next week. Uh, been a lot of fun, you guys. Peace. Peace.